Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg, and we have a lot of littles today, so we're just going to jump right into it and just kind of blast right through them. So first, uh, I wanted to cover a, a pretty somber topic, but we want to talk about the passing of Total Biscuit, um, John Bain, and we wanted to talk a little bit about not necessarily what happened. Uh, as we know, um, he was very popular. A lot of people really liked him. And I unfortunately wasn't a fan. Uh, not necessarily that I didn't like his content, but I don't really consume YouTube. Uh, I know I've got a pretty small channel here and, you know, we're growing it, but I'm not much of a consumer of YouTube. Like I do enjoy, I do enjoy creating for it and I like getting my commentary out there, but I'm personally not somebody who like sits down and watches YouTube for multiple hours a day. In fact, I don't, uh, Jordan gives me a hard time because I don't often watch his videos on our channel, which is, you know, something I should be doing just to help out. Uh, with, um, you know, with, with views and such, but it's just not something I do. It's just not part of my routine, I guess I would say. So I really don't know much about him. You know, I knew he was known as the cynical Brit and that he was a game commentary game critic, uh, very outspoken, you know, very opinionated, but he had, uh, you know, over 2 million, uh, subs on YouTube, I believe. And he was obviously very big and he was very, uh, influential to a lot of people as seen by the just outpouring of, love from his fans that he got and the amount of sadness that was felt around his passing and so clearly very popular critic very popular youtube personality and uh and i'll be honest i haven't really ever watched anything of his uh, and so in line to talk about the story i wanted to get a little familiar with with him and i guess i watched um back in uh, a f like in 27 late 2017 he did a a podcast with uh uh, Ethan and Ela on H3H3, and he talked a bit about his cancer diagnosis and talked a lot about it. And I have to admit, there and I can't speak much for his other content, but there he seemed very, he seemed very positive about what he was trying, what he was trying to do. And I give him a lot of credit for that, especially somebody who at that point he was it, it, the the cancer had stopped growing, but it hadn't. It's not in remission either. It was kind of in this like it's halted. It's it's not progressing. Um, and obviously that is unfortunate. What led to his passing. So. Um, May 24th was when, um, he passed away. So, and it was from uh, colon cancer, uh, it appears to be, which is apparently one of the worst and one of the most aggressive kinds out there. And, uh, and he'd been dealing with it for years, you know, three, four years, I think, or something like that since, since everything had started. Um, so I wanted to give a little bit of background on it. Uh, but also to know about me because I really don't have an opinion on him necessarily as I do about what I wanted to talk about. And so what I really wanted to talk about a little bit here was that we have some tweets uh, made by people following the passing of Total Biscuit. So this was this is more what I wanted to talk about. This was more what I wanted to say, like, what is appropriate, right? You know, um, an age old saying is, you know, you don't speak ill of the dead. You know, and I feel like it's a respect thing. Like, it doesn't matter if you like the person or not. I don't think we should ever celebrate the loss of someone, um, I guess you could argue that the killing of, of Osama bin Laden was good or Adolf Hitler was good, but you know what I'm trying to say. Like, I'm not talking about people like that. I'm not talking about people that have committed massive atrocities. Uh, you know, I'm speaking more in the general sense of people around you, even if you didn't like them for whatever reason. So the, the first one that really jumped out was an ex-Bioware employee named David Crooks. Um, so he was apparently a contractor. He doesn't work at Bioware at the time of this tweet, um, but this is what he had to say. <clears throat> Weird. The world just felt a little bit better sometime around an hour, hour and a half ago. 
Maybe it was just those new running shoes I got for my run home. And that's the end of his tweet. And so basically that's an hour, hour and a half after they announced that uh, Total Biscuit had passed away. John had passed away. So you're like, wait a minute, wait. Because that's also another really asinine way to say that too. Like I could see you going on there and be like, you know, I know we had our differences. I didn't appreciate the way he attacked some of the games I worked on. But you never, you know, I wish his family and anyone attached to him, you know, I hope they can get through this tough time, yada, yada. Like, there is respectful ways to do that. Then he replied after that and said, oh, wait, I know. It's because Total Biscuit died, exclamation point. So apparently his tweet wasn't getting enough uh, popularity or people didn't understand what he was trying to say. So he just put it right on the nose and was like, oh, it's because he died. And then he tweets a picture of a row of axes and says, hey, everyone, watch this. I know it's rude to piss on someone's grave, but these axes aren't going to grind themselves. So he knows what he's doing. You know, he, he knows he's he's got an issue with that person and that he's going to come out and start saying it now after the person's died. I, I mean, it's just it's it's mind boggling to me that that someone would would do that and not not feel any sense of remorse. And again, I'm not saying that Toll Biscuit was a perfect person. In fact, I know in in reading about him, <clears throat> I know people had complaints about his stance on Gamergate or when he would come out and say different things on he he was a critic, but he was an opinionist. You know, part of the reason you like these YouTube personalities is because they have opinions. But then you don't like them the moment they have an opinion that doesn't agree with yours. And that's a that's a hypocrisy there, you know, like you like this person and everything that makes them what they are, except you don't like this thing they said, so now they're a bad person. I mean, that, that's, that's crazy talk. And so then he goes on to say, uh, so he keeps on going on, and here's another tweet, quote, how about the time he was the center point of not one but two major games I worked on, dishing out a plethora of shitty criticism that was less than useful and didn't help anyone? And are there still some of his most viewed videos? And then he shows, like, a, like it's got a picture of his... Um, of his like most viewed videos and two of the games he was working on at the time, I, I guess are in here. Let me look at this picture real quick. I just want to kind of see what's going on here. Uh, this, uh, let's see, we got. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm actually not. Uh, I must be missing it. Because uh, obviously it's Bioware, unless he was working at another studio at the time, right? But you know, okay, so <laughs> because he 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 dished out a plethora of shitty criticism according to him um he goes on to say or even little things like obsessing over ma graphics which can i just stop for a second to say like using that uh it's essentially how, how to try to explain this it's essentially like trying to make fun of like stupid uh stupid people making an argument like you know, say I, I go somewhere and I don't get, I don't, oh God, I, I'm trying to give a good example of this. So, so say, um, okay. The first one I would say is, okay, you've got the argument where people say like, oh, this is America. It's like, I want guns and bacon in the morning. And I, I shoot, I shoot my guns while eating my, my bacon. Um, and then they're like America, right? So it's, it's like this almost accent of saying America, but America. So then it kind of evolved into this Ma, M-U-H, which is basically trying to say my. So let's say something like, you know, you, you, you know, they're complaining that you don't have the best graphics. So he's saying ma graphics, like trying to say that only stupid people are arguing and they're making this complaint about graphics. So I know that was like a, a stupid kind of rant, but I'm trying to explain like this, this meme, I guess. Um, or, or, you know, I, I don't, 
it, it's a very difficult to explain if you don't understand what I'm talking about. I'm probably not helping. I'm sure I'm making it worse. Uh, but it basically, it's, you know, you, people make a joke about eating too many sweets. It's like, mo diabetes, you know, or mobetes, or mobetes, you know, mobetes. Uh, what, if you don't get it, you won't ever get it. If you get it, thank you, and I'm sorry if I didn't help. So anyway, the tweet is, or even just little things like obsessing over mo graphics to a degree that went beyond comical and was just plain uneducated. Uh, I think it was his take on Watch Dogs where he ramped up the number of frames to buffer, saying, I don't know what this does, but let's make it higher. Uh, continuing on, side note, I did find it funny that he did a take on even 30 flights of loving, still reviewing the options screen, and said, look how many options there are, and this is just an indie game, all without that fake gamer boy not realizing that's just Quake 3. Or maybe just the fact that he never addressed his repeatedly toxic fan base, which was so abusive that he could send independent game developers into hiding because of the abuse he knowingly wielded and threw around like a whiny child. And not just indie devs. Sometimes he'd use his laser of abuse just to elevate his own position on Reddit and target people that way. Just search his name on subreddit drama and be awe the queen that guy was. Next tweet, but those are just paltry things, really. Who could forget his endorsement of Gamergate and feeble attempts to spin it as just about ethics in gaming journalism, while blissfully hopping onto other malicious podcasts, etc., working overtime to slam women and minorities? And, and again, I guess I, I, don't, I didn't see this anywhere, and I was trying to find these sort of things. I don't know what he's referencing, and he has no, um, he's not sending any links, and he's not sending any, any quotes here. So, I mean, we're just kind of going off of stuff that he apparently knows. And then his next tweet, which, gotta say, was super effing ironic, given that he would message major publishers and developers that were bad-mouthing him. Uh, this was not a one-time thing. What a delicate snowflake. Uh... And, and so this is like, this is images of, I, I'm trying to understand this. Like apparently he, he was messaging developers that were talking bad about him or something again. And, and I'm only going through this so we can kind of throw out this sort of stuff that was coming out about him. So we can kind of have the, the further discussion. Uh, next tweet, or was it really a lack of self-awareness downplaying threats against Anita Sarkeesian saying, guess they weren't credible because she's still breathing. And again, I don't, they don't, there's no link to that quote. I would like to see that quote because that would be a really terrible thing to say. I'm the first to admit that, um, maybe suggesting white privilege isn't really a thing because where he grew up, there were impoverished white folk. So, uh, this guy seems to have a problem with his social, um, the, the, the David Crook seems to be uh, very far left leaning um, because he, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's talking about uh, really, really far fetched things like white privilege belongs to all white people as opposed to, you know, I, I think <laughs> try not to get too political on here, but I think we need to just look more at um, money privilege. Uh, I don't think it matters uh, what race you are, the more money you have, the more privilege you have, more power you have, the more privilege you have, more money you have, the more power you have. Um, not to say that there isn't, uh, an, if, if I was at the same amount of money as someone else, uh, of a different, uh, ethnicity, they would probably have a harder time in this country doing something that I do at the same level. But to say something like the, you know, that this person with a ton of money is more oppressed than someone else with a white person with no money, I think is kind of silly. And again, why are we generalizing everything anyway? Like, let's, no, let's not generalize everything. There, everything's an individual case. And I think it's just really disingenuous to do that. So anyway, that seemed to be Total Biscuit's take on that, was that he didn't feel like you could just say that all white people are privileged. And again, if you believe in that or not, that's not really what we're arguing here. What we're going to argue is what all this means after the passing of somebody.
So as next to you was his voice and the irresponsibility with which he wielded it without apparent much care for him, or if he did, it was too little too late, has hurt a multitude of people along the way. He's pissed me off in a dozen ways, but at least I've never been threatened by his force. Next tweet. I'm saying this for myself, but I might as well be saying it for those who were and still could be. F that guy nine ways to Sunday and good riddance to bad rubbish. So that was David Crooks, a former Bioware employee. He's a, I think he's like a freelance something. Who cares? I'm not going to give him the time of day. Now, there was somebody who had tweeted out, why are we not allowed to speak ill of the dead even if they sucked shit? If you wanted people to say you were a good person, maybe you should have been a good person. So that was someone's tweet to which a current lead animator at Bioware, who was seemingly, I guess you could argue he was defending David Crooks, but I don't think he was. I think he, this was his take on it. Quote, if we don't speak the entire truth of a person after they pass and allow their toxic behavior go silent while only applauding their successes, we reward people for their accomplishments no matter how they achieve them. And that is a terrible precedent to set and allow. So he, his point that Mike Jungbluth is is making is that in someone's death, you shouldn't just talk about the good things they've done. You have to talk about the bad things too so that you get the total picture of who that person was. Uh, and then uh, he goes on to say, I'm seeing equal parts people thankful for the spotlight he shined on their games and careers and people who are happy to have one less person ready and able to point a mob in the direction of their personal life. When someone is guilty of the latter, some revel is allowed. So there must be something else going on here. Like, for some reason, this this Mike Jungbluth seems to feel like he was attacked uh, by the fans of Total Biscuit and not in the sense that they just attacked, but that they were pointed to attack him. Um, and then he just says, uh, he certainly gave a voice to a number of new steam, uh, new stream personalities in games. He also carried a lot of water in promoting Gamergate as something more than a thinly veiled assault on women and those less represented in the industry slash medium. So this is kind of what he said. And then, uh, that was May 25th and then May 27th, he's walking it back. Um, so now this is the current, this is the current lead animator on Anthem at Bioware. So he replies, I am beyond sorry for the offensive comments I made about the passing of John Bain. There is no excuse for my behavior. Speaking out against someone in the way I did is something I will always regret. My comments are entirely a reflection of me at my worst and most certainly not a reflection of the views and values of my colleagues at Bioware and EA. I apologize to everyone I hurt during the difficult times they are facing and I offer my full respect and condolences, especially to John's family and friends. So, you know, and that's one of those moments where that's one of those moments where um, you feel like this was forced. You know, I hate to say it, but that was one of those things where EA's PR group came in and said, what are you doing? As a representative of our company, you don't bash someone who just passed away, especially somebody who apparently has the powers that you so say he had about mob pointing and had a rabid fan base. Why would you even do that? Like, like, what did that tweet do for you? Did that give you that one minute of, of, of like... I feel good now. Like I can move on because I finally got to say what I always wanted to say when he was alive. But now that he's dead, he can't point his army at me. It's crazy. And so finally we're going to end with, um, with Casey Hudson, who's the current, uh, 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 the, the, the director at Bioware. I was extremely disappointed to find out about the comments of the passing of John Bain from someone who was previously a part of Bioware. So now he's talking about uh, David Crooks. Let me be clear that they don't represent Bioware's views, EA's, or my own. Our condolences go out to John and his family. Um, and then 
unfortunately, he has not yet replied to Mike Jungbluth, who is a current lead animator there. Somebody who Casey Hudson knows very well and is going to have to deal with all the time in day-to-day work. So I'm very curious to see how that goes, or if maybe they can't talk about it because of how close they are. He's not supposed to. Maybe the EAPR people came in and said, we can't talk about that. But again, so I just want to get all the background out of the way because this is what I wanted to talk about. And I know it's taken a long time to get here, but you have to understand the context of what we're going to be talking about. So what I wanted to talk about then was, is it okay to talk ill of somebody after they pass away? Let's just make it a simple question. Is it okay to talk ill of the dead, to speak ill, to to bash someone after they die? Um, I think that's... <laughs> I think it's so tasteless and I think it's so rude that it it sh- it should be something that everyone is just taught is is something you shouldn't do, right? It's it's so asinine to me that people would think that's okay. Now, if you know, if David Crooks goes home that day and goes, "You know what? I wasn't a fan of this guy. I'm glad I don't have to deal with him anymore." In the privacy of his own home, I probably wouldn't fault a guy for that. Like if this was a secret recording of David Crooks in his house talking to another person going, you know, good riddance to bad rubbish. I hated that John Bain guy anyway. I could almost, I I mean, I could, I could, I could understand that, you know, I could deal with that. What I can't deal with is going onto Twitter and to just try to blast this guy. Like what was the point he was trying to make? Like what was the soapbox he was trying to stand on? Like, was he trying to get other people to agree with him? You know, he probably was reading all of the people wishing well to the family and, and saying how they missed him. And he was jealous of people not wanting to talk about, you know, people weren't talking about him. They were talking about this other guy who was a jerk. I'm going to show them what a jerk he was. I'll, I'll prove to them what a jerk he was. I think that's what he was thinking. Now, obviously, he comes out looking like a total idiot and uh, and he'll never live that down. And I just don't understand like that. That's that's where I would take this. My opinion you don't speak ill of people that pass on because what's the point? You're not hurting the person that passed on. You know who you're hurting by doing something like that? Anyone who reads that that cared about him. You know, whether it's friends, family, or even fans. You're, you're, you're hurting these people who you may not even know, who may have never done anything to you, who might quite honestly enjoy your products and your work. But then you go on to say, well, I don't care if I hurt all them because he, they liked someone else. It's, it's, it's asinine to me. Uh, I find it, I guess, offensive, except I don't want to say that because I need to be more angry about it. It's just, there's, it's, it's a lack of manners, a lack of candor, a lack of sense and, and being a human, like how, how angry and upset with someone do you have to be to, to like be happy when they're dead, you know? And I'm not talking about like Adolf Hitler. Okay, yes, they celebrated. A lot of people celebrated the death of him because he was responsible for the deaths of hundreds of thousands of people, millions maybe. I, I, you know, I don't know the exact number. A lot and, and atrocities. Okay, so if I take the person who, let's let's take the guy who was the bully in my high school. Let, let's let's talk about Jason the bully from my high school who made my high school living hell for three years. Let's talk about him. If I found out he died tomorrow. I wouldn't tweet about it. I wouldn't I wouldn't send his family a letter, an open letter saying, you know, this guy bullied me all the time. I'm glad he's gone because what a piece of work. You know, that's just not something you do. And I know it's different with the anonymous internet, but it's not anonymous. We're on Twitter for crying out loud. I mean, this guy has his full, you know, his full history, his full workload, all that stuff on there. And so you 
And you'd never know, getting on the, talking about the bullying thing, you never know what someone else has gone through. So, for instance, uh, I know that there were people that I bullied in high school as well. Getting getting picked on and getting, you know, it, it does something to you where it's almost like you want to pass that on to somebody else. And I know not everybody feels that way, and I don't mean that everybody does that, but I did that. And I'm embarrassed to admit that. And I'm embarrassed to admit that there was a time when I, you know, where I had someone that I was bullying too. And I'm sure to that person, I'm one of the worst person people he knew, just like I feel that way about the person that bullied me. And so I think about that all the time. And, and I think about reaching out to that person and I think about, you know, I probably shouldn't reach out to that person because they probably have forgotten about it. They probably don't care enough. And maybe it would be worse if I said something, you know? Um, but you never know. So getting back to it, you never know where they're coming from. So I would never say that about my bully to his family. Cause how do I know that he wasn't a great dad and a great husband? How do I know that he didn't do lots of great things that I didn't know about because all I ever knew was his, his bad side. You know, I only ever ran into his side, which maybe he thought he was being funny. You know, maybe he thought he was just goofing around. And to me, it was something I still remember 20 years later, you know? Um, and, and, he didn't do it expecting me to remember it 20 years later. He did it because, you know, it was what we did. And um, and so anyway, so getting back to the discussion, I mean, yeah, absolutely. You can say whatever you want. You know what? Welcome to America, free speech. I'm very glad that you can go onto Twitter and make a complete ass out of yourself and say whatever you want. But is it tasteless? Is it disgusting? And is it... I don't, is it, is it, should you know better? Yes. And I don't know who this David Crooks guy is. You know, I don't know the other stuff he's worked on. I don't care to, um, it, he, he is, uh, he is somebody who will not leave as positive an impression as, uh, Total Biscuit did on many people. And, and unfortunately, again, why, why would you even go after somebody after they died? Like who cares? He, he didn't have the guts to say this sort of thing when he was alive. So why all of a sudden when this person's dead, do you find the courage, you know, you find the heart to all of a sudden start attacking somebody after they're dead because they can't fight back? How sad is that? And it's, it, and it's not like, like, like John Bain gets to hear this. The only people that hear this are the people that are mourning and that care, you know, and that's, that's what's so ridiculous about all this is you're not doing it to the person who in your mind wronged you. You're doing it to the people that cared about him. You're causing pain to people that have nothing to do with you. And it's incredibly frustrating to me. Like, when do we lose our damn humanity? You know, when did we lose this sense of, and I understand, like, like this is one of my issues too. And I understand that right now we've got massive outrage culture where everything is offensive and everything is, you know, and I understand people's frustration with that. But, you know, and, and it's like people saying like, you know, well, you know, if I want to walk around, you know, I don't care if someone's offended by my, you know, Confederate flag on my truck. It's what I want to do. So I want to do it. And I just think to myself, when did we stop caring if we offended people? Was it because people were getting so offended by everything? Otherwise, like I look at all the people around me and I'm like, I, I have, I have things I believe in and things I'm going to be very strict about. But if I say I loved something and my wife hates it, I'm not going to go flaunting it in front of her. You know, I respect her enough and I respect and I respect other people and I care for other people enough where if something's going to offend them, I try not to do it. There's been many times um, 
you know, and, and I don't mind talking about my political reason. I'm, I'm center left leaning, like I'm, I'm fiscally conservative, socially liberal. So pretty much I have no representation uh, fully. You know, I have to kind of pick the candidate that I think will will do the best for either me uh, uh, socially liberal wise or fiscally conservative wise. Um, and it is it is a hard thing to uh, is a hard thing to, to manage sometimes. And, and don't say libertarian because that's not. <laughs> that's that's what you, that's what it's supposed to be but they're not um because they don't believe in in any, any government help at all um so that that's that's my leanings right so sometimes on facebook i have friends that are more right leaning and so there'll be times i'm like you know what? i really want to say this i really want to pop this off but you know what if it's going to upset some of my friends just don't worry about it it's something i can talk to them about in a in a setting where i can explain myself and we can have a discussion about it as opposed to just putting something up there and, and catching them, you know? And I know a lot of people are going to probably look at that and say, oh, that sucks. You don't get to say what you want to say. You don't get to have free speech. Like, I can say whatever I want. I'm choosing. I'm actually, like, I'm, I'm using my actual freedom, which is to choose to not be offensive to people. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it and saying, you know what? I'm going to make the choice to be the better person that doesn't just say whatever he wants because it's what he wants to say. That's selfish. I choose not to be that selfish. Uh, and just say whatever I want without caring what other people think. You know what I mean? That That's stupid. That's stupid and selfish, in my opinion. Um, so anyway, I've already spent way too much time on this topic, but I really just wanted to get there uh, and discuss the bigger question, which was, like, why do people do that? Why Why do people have to do it after after death? You know, what, what kind of what kind of tough guy, Internet tough guy is that? You know, um, I don't know, David, David uh, Cooks. I'm not uh, probably going to. I certainly don't care about him. I'm not going to follow him on Twitter, and uh, which I believe he's locked up and deleted everything. He took off that he was a, a current employee of Bioware. He had to scrub it all clean, you know. And I'm sure in his head he looks at it and goes, "See, people are trying to attack my free speech rights." No one's trying to attack anything, dude. You looked like an ass. You made comments about someone who passed away, and you were rubbing it in people's faces that he died and that he was a terrible person. I mean, that's that's why people are coming after you. Um, so moving on, unfortunately, we have to talk about another passing, uh, which makes me, you know, uh, very sad. Um, but uh, a lot of people don't know who he is. And so I wanted to take a little bit of time to talk about him. Uh, so it's Ted Dabney. He was a co-creator uh, of Atari with Nolan Bushnell. And he doesn't get a lot of he doesn't get a lot of respect and recognition because he left really early on. But he helped start the initial company, which was uh, Syzygy. Uh, Syzygy, excuse me, Syzygy Engineering, where they designed and launched Computer Space, uh, which a lot of people uh, think Pong is like the first ever arcade game, but it wasn't. It was Computer Space, but it's made by the same people. Um, but it was Ted Dabney and it was Nolan Bushnell were the two people that started that company and then started Atari. Now, apparently there was a lot of really bad blood between them, including some things how Bushnell did not include him on the uh on the patents for like the circuit boards he was making for the games so Dabney got kind of boned on this deal just being honest and so he left the company early on I want to say he left in like 73 so he he left really early on didn't have a lot of to do with the shaping of the company uh to as big as it got at one point but he was definitely one of the early uh, people there and he's definitely an icon in the video game industry and a lot of people had kind of forgotten about him until like a couple years ago, um, they were going to make a movie about Nolan Bushnell and Atari, and they didn't even ask for 
uh, Ted Dabney's take on it. And it was just kind of, you know, it was weird. And again, they were, they were fighting and they weren't friends. You know, they even had a thing where like in this year they officially ended their friendship. It's like, I mean, that, <laughs> that's, that's pretty, it's pretty bad when you go off and do that. But, uh, yeah. So, you know, it's, um, it's unfortunate, you know, another, another video game icon, but this is, you know, this is life. Uh, he passed away. He was 80 years old. Um, and he had worked in the, in, in the electronics industry up, I think until the eighties. And then he just kind of took off, but yeah. So in 72, they incorporated Tari. Uh, and then yeah, he was, uh, 80 years old, man. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. I want to talk about, yeah, it was actually, and it was funny. It's like, it was essentially announced by um a facebook page that uh, had done an interview with him in in a, or had published a book in 2012 called atari inc uh which had had interviews with him and such like that so um you know again not a lot to talk about there but he was definitely a video game pioneer and he was um you know he was somebody who was very innovative in the field and who knows what would have happened if if him and bushnell hadn't had a falling out and he had stayed in the industry but, uh, you know, as oftentimes with stuff like this, you know, business is business, but, um, it's, I think it's always interesting to look at the roots and to look at that sort of stuff. And so unfortunately he passed away at 80 and, um, condolences to his family and friends and, uh, and, and the passing of, of a really sharp mind, uh, early on in the video game, uh, industry. Um, so moving on from that now, uh, this, this article came up, uh, and then I wanted to cover a little bit more about it because, uh, I am a backer. So we're going to talk about Star Citizen. Um, Star Citizen recently had an announcement coming out saying that for $27,000, you can buy the pack that includes almost every ship uh, of 117 ships, a bunch of extra items like super collider, service equipment, fuel pods. Uh, let's take a look at this page because this is just going to be bonkers. Um, apparently... Uh, oh, to view its contents, you need to have already paid a thousand dollars. Okay. Uh, well, I can't look at it then. Um, so Star Citizen. If you don't know what Star Citizen is, it is the most crowdfunded project of all time. Not game, not a video game project of all time. It has to date raised. Over one hundred and eighty million dollars, <laughs> and and it is a powerhouse uh, in raising money. Now I am a backer. I I paid I want to say about a hundred bucks or something for like a ship and the game and all that sort of stuff. Crowdfunding was in twenty fourteen with the expected delivery date of the game to be twenty or it was twenty twelve excuse me with an estimated delivery date of twenty fourteen to twenty fifteen. It got uh, pushed to 2015, then 2016, and to infinity and beyond. <laughs> um, and, and so here we sit. Uh, they have roadmaps. They have uh, what they call a very open development. Uh, you know, you can see the development tree. You can kind of see where the game's going. But there's a lot of doubt with this project, and I am starting to feel like I got ripped off, just being honest. Um, I'm, I'm not into... With this game, I'm not trying to play the alpha releases when they come out. I don't want to play like the half-assed, here's a little area to fly your ship around and try out the game. Like I'm waiting for the game that they want to make. But I don't know if this game's ever going to come out. And I'm really starting to worry about it. Because just recently, they also started selling plots of land. 
which is something they never talked about doing. They talked about selling ships from day one, but they've been selling ships. Now they're selling land. And it's like, I appreciate that you need to make money, but what happened to all this other money? And why are you still doing like these cash grabs now? Like, can't we let the game come out first and get what we paid for before you make something else that we have to pay more money for? You know, it's, it's really, really frustrating to me. And just the fact that there's a $27,000 pack that you can buy so there's some really good comments when it comes to this stuff and one of them is that this isn't for the average person well that's no duh you know this this is what i owe left on my student loans i think <laughs> but it's for it's for the customers they call the whales there are people that have already spent thousands of dollars on ships and and not even at the same time so there'll be people who they'll buy a ship They'll buy another one for 50, then a couple weeks later buy another one for 50. And all of a sudden, over the course of a year, they've paid a thousand bucks. Now, this happens all the time. This happens in games like Fortnite and in Rocket League and games with loot crates and randomness and stuff like that. The difference, though, is those are games that you can play. This is doing it to the extent where we don't even have a game to play. And I and what I find really upsetting about this is the rabid fan base that is totally okay with this. And this is what really bothers me about Star Citizen, um, is that, you know what, I, I backed it, okay? I put money down on it because I saw the potential. I wanted to see it succeed. And now, six years after I put money down on it, I'm still waiting to see any sort of playable result. And yet, they're still collecting all this money, and they're still pulling in all these uh, all these customers to pay for something that's not even a game yet. And I don't know who is still buying stuff for this game. Like, who hasn't that wanted to play this without an early state? Like, who has played this? Or, or who has, who has, who's kicking in the money to this without having anything tangible. And, and again, I put money in, right? So I'm allowed to bitch and complain about this because I put my hard earned money in, but where's the game, <laughs> you know, like give us the game. And of course it always starts how it starts off in Kickstarter where, you know, you have a, you have a, a project idea and then you have stretch goals and those stretch goals get meet. So you grow the scope of the project instead of just giving us the damn game that we kickstarted in the beginning. And so there's some real questions here. And even as, as much as last year, there were uh, news articles coming out that were talking about how um, the company that makes star citizen was in financial trouble and you're like how in the hell are you in financial trouble when you've raised 180 million dollars like how is that even possible but it is especially when you have that many people spread across that many studios okay that stuff's not cheap to run and i don't believe that they took the money and ran with it but i believe that unfortunately chris roberts who's the head he doesn't you know and he's known for his for wing commander fame he's still riding that wing commander uh fame and I and this game could be the ultimate space exploration game, uh, but I don't know when it's ever going to come out, and I don't know if it would even be a good idea to ever come out. It might be a better idea just to keep it in its internal development because you're raising more money now than you'd probably be getting off of sales of the game if it actually came out. And they're just so we're just kind of stuck in this infinite loop of hey, we're making more ships for you to buy, but we're not actually making progress on the game and, and yeah there's some early alpha stuff and, and game development takes a long time like no one's denying that but by the time this game comes out is anybody going to want it anymore i don't know but yeah so apparently if you got 27 grand lying around you have nothing better to spend on you have so much money you don't care then feel free to check out uh 
this new pack on Star Citizen and kick into it. Um, I'm I'm really a fearful though as time as more and more time goes on because this game's not even close to coming out. We're at least still two years out, so we're going in an eight-year development cycle on this game. I mean, very few games survive that sort of development hell, and I just don't know if we'll ever see anything playable in this game of of merit. And I'm not talking about oh they're like oh yeah you can take your ships and you can fly around and you can do stuff I'm like that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the actual game that we were promised, an open world space simulator interacting with other people. I mean they talked about having battleships with hundreds of people, real people on one ship doing jobs. I mean this is these are their vision and their goals and we can't even get to the point where we have a game where you start off and and have a persistent world already. You know, so that's kind of where Star Citizen's at. That was that kind of bonkers article about that. So, you know, I don't know. It, it's just crazy to me. Uh, so then next up, we're going to talk about another lawsuit because that's a lot of times what we cover on here. because They're usually pretty big deals. So we recently uh, we had talked about this before that uh, player known battleground studio uh, PUBG Corp is suing epic over Fortnite. so now before they had sued and this was kind of the issue before so just to backtrack on my last video a little bit so the problem before with it was that PUBG corp was claiming that since epic makes the engine that their game runs on they would have insider knowledge to what they were doing and they'd be able because you know PUBG corp contacts uh, the tech supported Epic and says, hey, our engine's not working with this. How do we do this? Uh, t uh, troubleshooting the engine and then and thus giving them insight and hidden um, information about their game PUBG, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. So that was the initial lawsuit saying that, you know, Fortnite is essentially a game that came out mimicking what they did already. And then, you know, and because it's the company that owns the rights to their engine, they have insider information about that that they normally wouldn't have had if they were just a regular competitor. And so I think that's actually kind of a valid argument. But the issue so much is that we have to stop looking at at Battle Royale games as a game genre and start looking at it as a game mode. So every game, including Black Ops 4 that's coming out this year, is going to start having a Battle Royale mode. So many are throwing it in because... The reporting is that in just April alone, Fortnite made like $300 million. So it's clearly very profitable. And it's a fun game mode. It's different. It's deathmatch, but it's different. You know, part of the appeal of Counter-Strike when I first played it was because if you died, you had repercussions for dying. You didn't just throw yourself out there as a meat shield. Like, like you had to work as a team. You had, to, you know, in PUBG, it's the same thing. Like, you have to be smart. You have to know, you know, you have to kind of be sneaky. You have to be, you have to... You, you, if you die, you just throw your life away. Like there's, there's a reason there's incentive to be cautious and careful and to win and to be good. Um, so this, this lawsuit though, seems to be a little different. It's, it's, it's interesting how they specifically worded it. So this is what they said. The lawsuit filed this past January, uh, the plagiarism allegations center around the claim that Fortnite's battle Royale, which was added last September copies PUBG's interface and in-game items. So it doesn't say it's copying their game mode. Uh, so, I mean, I guess that's good. Except what it does say is that they're copying of in-game assets. So I'm assuming things like, I don't know, weapon types and stuff like that. Now, obviously, they can't copyright and say only our game's allowed to have AK-47s. But, um, I, you know, they're arguing not that the game is a copy, but that pieces of the game are a copy, including its interface. Um, but again... Uh, I think it's kind of crappy of PUBG Corp to go after them for this reason. I think it's petty. 
And it's also really curious because there's a Chinese company called Tencent, which does a lot with video games. They own a lot. They own a good chunk of Epic and they own a chunk of PUBG Corp. So they this this big company owns pieces of both companies that are essentially going to court. So very strange, you know, very, uh, you know, it's very incestuous kind of relationship going on there. And uh, so anyway, another lawsuit, another day, another dollar, another lawsuit. Um, and, and it's not the first time I mean, PUBG Corp uh, apparently attempted to sue um, another company, NetTease, uh, on mobile games Rule of Survival and Knives Out because apparently they were similar to Battle Royale games, you know. It's it's time to stop again. It's time to stop looking at battle royale games like they are a a game a game type like a genre, and they're a game mode. You know, just like like how back in the day you could argue that deathmatch was a game mode, and so every game started having deathmatch because it was awesome. You know, every game's gonna start having battle their own take on a battle royale mode, and I I do believe this. I did a video on this a while back, but I do believe more battle royale games is better. It's going to push the genre, uh, you know, push the game mode forward. We're going to have innovation. It's going to be awesome and it's going to be all good. But again, you know, another, another week, another lawsuit, uh, PUBG Corp, you know, uh, and we'll also remember that, uh, the last time that somebody sued Epic, actually not the last time, but the last big story, last time somebody sued Epic was, uh, Silicon Knights. So Silicon Knights uh, was a company that uh, made Eternal Darkness. That's what they're most popularly known for, and the original Legacy, uh, Blood Omen Legacy of Cain. Um, I'm not a I'm not a big fan of Eternal Darkness. I know people love that game. I've never had any real attachment to it, but some people like that stuff, and that's cool with them. Um, but then they later just had a bunch of stinkers roll out. So they had two, uh, two human, which was not good. Uh, X Men Destiny, which was not good, and then they essentially folded because they were apparently there was a big issue about that. And I think I talked about that on a video, uh, a year or so, or two years ago, but basically they were taking money from X-Men destiny that Activision was paying them. And they were funneling that into their own project to try to kickstart eternal darkness too. And so they were basically, that's why X-Men destiny ended up being a pile as well. It was underfunded because while they were using that money for something else. So anyway, though, now this lawsuit was a little different because Silicon Knights basically sued them because they were arguing that their engine was unfinished and that it sabotaged their work um, and basically complained about the Unreal Engine uh, and that they didn't have good tech support and all this other nonsense. And unfortunately, a lot of other people use the Unreal Engine, though. So they really couldn't make that argument in court since they were the only real place um, complaining. But anyway, you know, that's just a little bit about uh, the history with... Um, epic being sued uh i don't think it's gonna go over very well so i think PUBG should just drop it especially since one of their investors holds stock in both companies uh, and then the last story i want to talk about actually hold on we got a little one here let's talk about this one um so this was interesting so uh apple blocked the valve app that was gonna let you play steam games on your phone so that sucks because i think that'd be kind of a neat feature i don't know what you could have played really unless you had like a bluetooth controller but basically a, it had gone through the first round of authorization so uh apple had approved the steam link app earlier this month uh and then on wednesday may 9th uh valve released news saying hey you know, that Apple revoked its approval, citing business conflicts with app guidelines. So basically the story here, and it's not much of one, but basically the story here is that Apple doesn't let you sell apps 
that lets you do in-app purchases that don't go through their store is really what it comes down to. So uh, basically they knew that a Steam Link app would allow people to buy Steam games through the iPhone or through the through the um, App Store. And so they've decided that they don't want any other programs that allow you to buy things not through their store, um, which they control their market. It is what it is, but it's really annoying. And, and uh, it, it's, it's what the cause of the problem is. It's not it's not like Apple's saying that they're a big competitor. It's not saying that we know it really simply comes down to that. They don't allow now if maybe there was a way. And this isn't the only app that does that. Like there's certain um, e-reader apps where you can't buy books through it. Comic book apps, you can't buy comic books through it. Um, but what you, you know, so it's kind of the same thing um, where they just, they don't want people selling things that aren't related to that. Now I could see Valve pulling the app back, removing the ability to buy through the app. Like maybe the app would just let you stream and maybe they won't do that. Obviously it appeared to Android. People are happy with that. It's just not on the, on the app store. So we'll have to kind of see, but again, short little story, little dinky thing, bigger story. So um, oh, okay. Well, apparently my computer is going to tell me I need to restart. So let me, uh, pick a time here. <laughs> I don't want, what is this? What's going on here? Uh, yeah, tomorrow I'll be at work. Let's do it tomorrow. Um, wow. That's, that's really frustrating right in the middle of a podcast to have windows pop up with an update. Um, okay. So, uh, I recently beat, uh, I, yesterday I finished my first playthrough of Detroit become human, uh, which is a PS4 exclusive, very interesting game. It's by Quantic Dream. It's it's what you would call um, I don't know, an, an interactive narrative experience. Uh, you know, it's not much of a game per se as it is a movie that you're interacting with. I think that's really fair. The last two games they've made before this were Beyond Two Souls and Heavy Rain. Uh, Heavy Rain I really enjoyed a lot. Beyond Two Souls I liked the story, but I felt like the game didn't change depending on what you did it was the most like a movie ever where you really had no effect on the story and and funny uh jared did a video where there's literally one part where he's just mashing the controller and he it was like a part where you're racing a car or driving a car and nothing changed whether he successfully did the button presses or not and so really kind of stupid and so i think beyond two souls was a step backwards in not really having much to affect the story detroit become human I think wrapped that back around and said, you know what? People basically want to play a choose your own adventure book. And I think that's what this is. I really enjoyed it. I like the game a lot. Uh, I want to play through it more and they make it really easy just to play different checkpoints to see how things play out. So I can go in and play any scenario and try it differently to see what happens differently. And I love that. I love the idea that I don't have to play through the game 10 times to try to get every ending or anything like that. Um, but that's not what we want to talk about today. I want to talk about it a little bit because I covered it. But what I really want to talk about was ethically speaking is it okay to enjoy a game by essentially a garbage game director slash garbage toxic workplace so i have up on the screen here you can kind of see this was an article that came out back in january and i did a follow-up to this and as i've talked about before on this podcast i talked to a former employee of quantic who said that everything in these articles is true and it's worse than what's being reported on and that the French outlets are not reporting nearly everything that's going on. And I had a, th- a three-hour conversation with this person and it was startling what they revealed was taking place there. And they backed it all up with proof. I had pictures and documents and things like that. 
Um, so ethically speaking, the question is, is it okay to like a game that's by a garbage human? <laughs> um, oh, yes, it is, I think. And here's why. Because more than that person made that game. A game like this that's in development this many years, it takes so much hard work from so many people. Um, and while it might be one person's vision, and that person saw that vision from creation to completion, I think it's fair to say that a lot of people had their hands in the cookie jar. and A lot of people helped make this. And so to hate a few people in management of a company and say that all the other work done is not worth it. I don't know if I can go that far. I don't know if I can get there. And it's kind of like when like, okay, so I could watch some Bill Cosby stand up from the eighties and it's still really funny. Okay. It just, it, it's funny. But does that mean it's not funny anymore because he's a terrible human being who assaulted women over his time as a, as a celebrity? Well, no, it's not any less funny, you know? I mean, it's just, it, it's still, it's, it's like we have to separate the art from the artist, I guess, right? It's oftentimes like um, one of my most viewed videos is a Billy Mitchell video, but I had the whole podcast on there. And the second part of that video was talking about um, uh, Dr. Disrespect and how he had come back more popular than ever after taking a self-imposed break after cheating on his wife. And so, you know, people would listen to that, though, and they're like standing up for him because they love his content. And it was like, it's OK to separate the two. It's OK to say, you know, man, you're hilarious. I love your character. I'll watch your streams. But you're pretty, pretty garbage human. You know, like like I, I wouldn't hang out with you. I wouldn't want to be your friend, but I'll watch you because you're funny. I think that's OK. You know, just like how, you know, if someone's in a movie or on a TV show and they're really funny and then you find out that they did something terrible. Well, that sh TV show is still funny. You know, they didn't make they're not the whole reason that TV show was successful. And so I will stand up for Detroit Become Human. It is the best of the trilogy, I call, which is the current and last gen games that Quantic has done. Uh, it is it is the best. Uh, a lot of people are bashing him right now for uh, bashing the game for like a, a half-hearted sort of, um, you know, if you don't know the premise of the game, let me break this down. I should have done this right away. So if you don't know the premise of the game, uh, you play as different androids. And in the future, in Detroit, there a, new, a company had basically found out how to make lifelike androids, and they start doing everyone's work for them. They're affordable; everyone can have one. And then the androids start to become self-aware. They start to become what people are calling them as deviants, where they're no longer following their programming, and they start to have feelings like they're alive and they have uh, they have souls and whatnot. So this game is basically a a social like a social experiment almost in the sense of what would this be like if our future actually became this? And there are many parallels you can draw between the, the civil rights movements and in between equality for women and all these other sort of things, because you've essentially got a group that's oppressed and they have to deal with how do we fight that oppression, but not come off as aggressors or how do we fight this oppression and let people hear our story and in such a way that it's impactful, but without hurting people. And so, it, you know, it's very similar, I think. And I think that's what was inspiration for this game was, you know, was looking back to the past in the U.S. anyway. I can't comment on how it was in, in, in France, you know, if, if they had similar sort of civil rights movements and whatnot. Um, but uh, 
you know, a lot of people are bashing them, saying that it's really disingenuous and to try to compare androids to, to you know, slavery. And it's like, well, I mean, yeah, it's it's well, one, it's a video game trying to tell a story, but I think that could be fairly accurate. And and I hope I don't get blasted for that, but I really believe that in in thirty years, if everybody had androids. You'd have people that do like they do now with pets. Some people would treat them like family and like pets, and some people would treat them like objects. And so you'd have someone who's a, this dog is a utility. I'm not here to be its friend. You know, I'm here to make it the best bloodhound it can be. Or it's someone who, oh yeah, the you know, bring the dog in, sleep on the bed with us. Like it's 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 a pet. It's a member of the family. You know, and so you would have that. I think very much so. If all of a sudden there were these lifelike androids that everybody had, especially if they made your life easier, and you know if they had a lifespan the same as yours, and so it's. I think those parallels are fine, and and I don't think they did it in a classless way. I don't think they did it in a in a cheesy way. I thought it was quite genuine. I'm the first to say that. And uh, growing up in an area where, you know, you see some really like closeted bigotry from people who you know it, like a lot of these things i could see happening and i would see happening you see the terrible things people say you know and, and i could see them doing that you know like like for instance you know like a, a robot's just trying to the android's just trying to walk back from picking up this paint supplies and he's trying to walk back and then there's like a group of protesters and they're protesting and they're angry because unemployment because of androids in this game unemployment has reached like 38 percent because androids do everyone's damn job for them so you don't have to work but then you don't have any money so you got people like picketing and, and trying to ban uh androids because they took you know they took their job to derp, derp, um and and so they take it out on the androids as if it's somehow the androids fault you know it, it's just stupid you know don't don't go after your job that replaced you all with androids you know go after the androids right so there are some parallels there but i found it very very interesting i think it's his best storytelling yet i actually thought heavy rain was kind of a convoluted mess uh so when people talk about that being their favorite one i'm just kind of like eh. you know i i, I thought it, it had room for improvement uh and then we uh we talk about beyond two souls which i liked the story that's a paranormal uh scenario well i like the story it had less choices so uh, this is definitely the best it has the best story i think and it has the best choices that are affected uh in fact i was really enjoying every choice i made in the game last night up until the last chapter and i made a fatal mistake and i lost a character and i was so upset by it that i replayed it until i got it right because that's how much i cared about these characters i also knew every character's name that's how interesting and uh, important these characters were to me is I recognized their name and I instantly knew who they were and I actually cared about these characters. So very awesome. Uh, I, I like the game a lot. Very good. And is it okay to enjoy it even though David Cage and uh, the other guy, uh, Guillermo de Fondomouye, uh, those two guys uh, run a studio that's got rampant uh, sexism and, and weird photoshop pictures of people in weird you know just weird situations and photoshop people's heads on bodies and whatever you know in sexual positions okay great if that's how you want to run your studio this way i said before if that's how you want to run your studio i think you should be allowed especially if it's a private studio but you have to understand that there are certain people who don't want to work in that environment like the person i talked to uh was caused mental stress by it and needed to leave and find a different job because of it and, and that's incredibly sad and that should never happen. And obviously that's why there's a lawsuit happening. But so you've got that. Um, but is it okay to still enjoy the game? Yes, it is. And now on the flip side of that, though, if you would choose to 
not enjoy it and you choose to boycott this game because of something you believe in, that's also okay. And that's very cool. And I appreciate that. Um, if you want to stand up for something, say, you know what, I really want to play this game, but I can't stand this guy and the, and the practices of his studio, then you can do that. And I think that's totally, totally okay. And you should be allowed to do that. And, uh, and just like I'm allowed to enjoy it and still appreciate the, the art separated from the artist. Uh, and then that's it. So that's it for the news stuff today. We kind of blasted right through that. So um, we're gonna we're gonna talk about. I always like forget to do this beforehand. I should, but then I like to do this like on the fly, right? So let's uh, let's take a look here. Uh, oh boy, oh boy, what should we pick? How about? Uh, you know what? Let's talk. Let's talk Mega Man. Let's talk a little bit of Mega Man today. So, uh, this is for the Game Boy Advance. This is uh, Mega Man Battle Network. Check that out, Mega Man Battle Network. So this game uh, really left a lasting impression on me. Mega Man Battle Network is a very different type of game. So essentially, there's the the network you connect to, like our internet. And when you're on it, your avatar is Mega Man. So you play as like this kid is you. And then when you're on the internet, you're Mega Man. And so it almost plays out like a turn-based RPG. You get into like random conflicts. Uh, let's kind of move it over here. Look at the top picture there. You kind of move around like a world map isometric view. And you get into random conflicts. But then when you battle, look at the bottom picture, you're on like a 3 by 6 grid where you can only move on your half and... Uh, and you can move anywhere in real time and you still shoot in real time. So then you've got these kind of attacks like you'll 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 uh, equip chips and things like that to give you different attacks that maybe affect multiple squares at once. And then they make for some really ingenious boss fights and stuff uh, it is really, really fun. The first two are very good. And I think after that, they started doing the Pokemon route where they're like, oh, hey, this is this is uh get in here the shot. This is a uh, red ace and black Joker. And this is. Like, they start doing two or three versions of every one, and I'm like, come on, guys. Like, Mega Man Battle Network, three blue and three white, you know? And then it was four red and four blue, and you're like, just... Or red red sun, blue moon. It's like, just just make a game, man. Like, don't, don't get us with this Pokemon crap. Um, but it was very, very good, and it's a very fun game. Uh, highly recommend it. Mega Man Battle Network, the first two for sure, and then after that, if you want to get into it and you want to get down with it, you know, keep going if, if, if you want. Uh, I really love the Switch to get a Mega Man Bell Network collection. I think that would be incredible. Just play everyone on the Switch. It would be awesome. Uh, but as always, I always, always, always appreciate you guys for listening. If you're listening to this on iTunes, uh, we'd really appreciate it if you go to our YouTube channel to search for the drop rate or go to www.droprate.life. That will take you right to our YouTube channel, and you can subscribe. If you are watching this on YouTube, thank you very much. And uh, if you prefer to listen to it in uh, podcast forms, you can go to the iTunes and just search for Game Talk Radio. If you go to the music store, it doesn't show up. You just have to go into the, the podcast icon and then just search for Game Talk Radio. And then look for the Mega Man sprite wearing uh, the, the sprite of me wearing my Game Trade shirt. So uh, thank you, as always, everybody. It's so much appreciated for listening always um if, if you follow me on twitter i'm at you saw it on the screen for a while i'm at drop rate greg you can send me dms send me questions i'd love to answer them on air would love to do some mailbag stuff and i appreciate it as always everybody have a great day we'll talk to you next week everyone hopefully you had a safe and uh, and 
uh, fun Memorial Day while also taking the time to uh, remember those that gave the ultimate sacrifice for our country. And thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Have a good day. Bye-bye.